Well, I don't know about you, but there are many times when I get to the end of a week and I'm about to start another one that I feel completely discouraged. Today, inside your outline, you'll find, inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline entitled Overcoming Discouragement. And it may be interesting to you that the word discouragement or the word discourage is really a, just made up of two parts, the dis and the courage. The little prefix, the D-I-S prefix, it means to take away. And courage means courage. And so to discourage someone is to take away courage. To pull away out of their heart the courage, the courage that they have. And that leaves us dispirited. It leaves us demoralized, depressed, um, and just completely drained. And sometimes when I get to the end of a week, that's the way I feel. And you may have come here today and you might have said, oh, John, if you knew the week I had, I have been so discouraged. Well, I've got good news for you. And that's point one on your outline. God doesn't want us to be discouraged. I want you to listen to Isaiah 41.10. Don't be afraid. This is the Lord speaking here. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. Could we say those three words together, please? Don't be discouraged. For I am your God, and I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. And today I want to remind us of this wonderful truth and also remind us that even though we're going to have disappointing and discouraging things come into our lives, we don't have to choose to stay there. I mean, there's not a one of us that's not going to deal with discouragement. The important thing is to learn how to battle it. And that's point two on your outline. When we're feeling discouraged, it's important to identify why so we can combat it. Let's not stay there. I can't control what's coming into my life this week, and neither can you. I can control how I'm going to respond, and so can you. And today, this is an encouraging talk because it means just the opposite. It means to give you courage. I want to give you courage on how to put up the fight. We don't have to give in to this. I don't have to stay down in the dumps. I don't have to stay defeated. I don't have to stay depressed or broken or discouraged. In fact, as Psalm 42, here are the words that we find. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. In fact, three times in Psalm 42, we find those words. Why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I need to put my hope in God. So today, we're going to put our eyes on God. We're going to ask him for some wisdom, and he's going to give it to us so we can gain courage before we leave. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. I have a good word for you. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, this is your word, and I am excited to deliver it today. There's not a one of us that doesn't face disappointment. There's not a one of us that doesn't receive unjust criticism. There's not a one of us that doesn't have to face failures from time to time that are bad enough and big enough and hard enough that we just want to quit. And so today, Lord, I pray that we won't quit. I pray that you will give us courage. There are enough things in this world that just drain the courage out of us. And so, Lord, we're coming to you for strength and for wisdom and for courage. If that's a desire of your heart, would you pray right now that God would speak through me to you this morning? Pray right now and say, Lord, would you speak through John so I can hear your word? Oh, God, I just want to be a mouthpiece for everything that is in your word today. Please move me out of the way. Say whatever you want said to us today to give us courage so we leave here stronger than what we came in. 
I pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to look at four things that discourage us. We're asking, hey, why am I so discouraged? Well, it's important to identify why so we can combat it. And I'm going to take you back to a story. It's from the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah was called by God to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. It had been in ruins for over 150 years. Nebuchadnezzar had come and smashed the whole thing to bits uh, when Judah had rebelled against him while he was king of Babylon, knocked down the walls, knocked down the temple, burned everything. And uh, decades earlier, people had gone back and they'd rebuilt the temple, but they never rebuilt the wall. And so every time there were raiders that passed by, every time there were people who wanted to take advantage of God's people, they were defenseless. And they needed a wall around their city to protect them. And so one day, God put it on the heart of Nehemiah to go do that. He organized the people, and we're jumping into the action when they're about halfway through. They've raised the wall about halfway high, and discouragement starts to set in. This is point A. We may be discouraged because we're tired. This is when they got tired. Listen to Nehemiah 4. At last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. And then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. There's so much rubble to be moved. We'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. And what happens is, as you get halfway through, this is a note here, and it's easy to quit. It's easy to quit halfway through. What? Halfway through anything. I want to remind us that many of us made New Year's resolutions, and we are right now, we just passed halfway through the year, and it's so easy to give up now. Well, some of us gave up on January 5, okay? But anyway, the rest of us. But if you've been hanging on to something and you were saying, hey, I don't know if I can do this for the whole year. I had a New Year's resolution. Don't give up now. This is when it's so hard when you're halfway through. It's easy to start out with enthusiasm on a project, but then you get halfway through and there's so much yet to do and I'm so tired. Oh, let's just quit. Even if we're halfway through. And so I hope today you'll hear some words of encouragement that remind us not to give up on important things. That brings us to a life application. We can overcome discouragement from fatigue by scheduling Sabbath days. Sabbath days. This is a biblical term for a day of rest. On the seventh day of creation, the Lord himself rested. He worked for six days, and he rested on the seventh. And that's why it's one of the Ten Commandments. God didn't create us to be working machines and when we get tired, we lose all perspective. In fact, on the back side of your outline, I have a quote there from George Patton uh, and uh, from Vince Lombardi. They both used it. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Can anybody relate to that? Oh, man. You get tired and all of a sudden a molehill looks like a mountain. You get exhausted and oh, I just don't want to battle this again. I quit. I'm just so tired. Well, what if we get some rest? I mean, listen to what Moses told the people of Israel. He said this, You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any work. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. And that's why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the seventh day. They'd been slaves for hundreds of years. They were slaves. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. Nobody who was alive could ever remember having a day off. Slaves don't get days off, ever. Slaves are just human appliances. I don't give my washing machine a day off. I don't give my microwave a day off. It's just a machine, an appliance. And that's the way they thought of the Israelites. 
And so God rescued them from all that. He said, I'm taking you to the promised land, and I want you to do this. I want to, re- I want to remind you that I created you. You are my people. You are my children, and I am your father, your heavenly father. Think of yourselves this way. You're not working machines. You need a day of rest. And so even this is, though this is a commandment, and even though we have schedules in our society that would allow us to have a day of rest, many times we don't take it. And so we're just tired all the time, and we're so easily discouraged. Here's why it's important. Psalm 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. If you'd circle, he restores my soul. I mean, that's the whole idea of a Sabbath day. I do this myself. I mean, for me, Sabbath days are Mondays. Sunday is a work day for me. This is not a restful day for me. But Mondays, that's when I take time. I go for walks. I read the Bible. I pray. I take a nap. Then after lunch, I'll go for a walk, read the Bible, take a nap. And the whole idea is I want to get my soul restored so that I can be ready for everything that God has in store for me this next week. Do you, do you have a day like that that you schedule, a day that you protect? Can you do that this afternoon? Can you turn off your cell phone and take a nap? By the way, I looked up all kinds of things on just why we're so stressed and why we're so discouraged and why we're so tired. And it's been interesting. Study after study points out that we actually sleep less now than people did 100 years ago. Not only that, but we don't sleep as well. And primarily it's because of these things. 85% of us check our cell phones sometime during the middle of the night. You know, you wake up in the middle of the night. Hey, let's see how many likes I got on that. Oh, I didn't get many. Now I better stay awake and figure out what's wrong with me. And all of a sudden now, I can't go to sleep. Or I read some article on here that's terrified me, and now I can't go to sleep, and now I'm bothered. To prove whether this was true or not, last year, some scientists studied, they found 94 people who live in pre-industrial societies in Africa and Bolivia, three different cultures. They found 94 people, and they tracked them all last year to see how long they slept and how well they slept. None of them had any electricity. None of them had any white noise generators. None of them even had Netflix. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. Okay, they existed. And so the point was they followed these people a year, how well they slept and other things. And to a person, every one of these people was better rested and healthier and had a better sleep pattern than all the people that they studied than a similar 94-person group in America. And what was really interesting was is they found out when they were discussing with them about how they dealt with insomnia in all three of these cultures, they didn't even have a word in their language for insomnia. They didn't know what it was. We know what it is. What I'm asking is this. I'm asking us to evaluate. If I said, hey, why so sad? Why am I so discouraged? If the answer is, that I'm not getting enough sleep, the simple step is, let's get some sleep. Let's turn this thing off. Let's go to bed an hour earlier, every night this week. We even have expressions for this. Hey, let's sleep on it. I'll talk to you about it tomorrow. And the next day, I have a whole different outlook. So we may be discouraged because we're just tired. Let's get some rest. God doesn't want us to be discouraged. Secondly, we may be discouraged by negative things people say. Do you know that there are negative people in our world? There are negative people out there who will give you negative counsel. It happened to Nehemiah. 
They had, the wall was half its height, and here's what happened. Sanballat, who was the governor of the territory just north of where Jerusalem was, and another guy, Tobiah, who was governor of the territory across the Jordan River, they came up, and you can imagine them riding up on horseback and just mocking the people as they're building the wall. Listen to this from Nehemiah 4. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. Well, yeah, he's angry. I mean, if the wall's down, even though he's governor of a territory north of there, he pretty much has free reign over the people. You put the wall back up, and he's going to have problems. So he was angry when he learned we were building the wall. So he flew into a rage, and he mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, Hey, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, Ah, that stone wall would collapse even if a fox walked along the top of it. And you can hear everybody going, ha, 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 ha. And discourage is just to suck the courage out of you. There's a long way to go, and these guys are helping drain all the courage. Now, there's times in our life when we forget that that is a common experience for virtually everybody you know. I mean, sometimes we think, oh, man, that describes my work environment. That describes people in my family. They act just like that to me. But these people are successful. They don't have that going on. Well, I want to encourage you today that this is common to everyone. That's why it's even in the Bible. There'll be some scriptures that'll talk about this, who we listen to. But I want to remind you of some people that you might have heard of here who went through some very discouraging times themselves. The first one was Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley went to Humes High School in Memphis. He was an average student there, got like B's and C's type of thing. He only flunked one class. You know what it was? Music. His music teacher told him he had no ability to sing and he should just give it up. Elvis said, no, I know how to sing. You just don't like my style of music. So he brought his guitar to class one day, sang a number one hit. All the students in the class cheered because he did it flawlessly. And the teacher said, you're right. I don't like your style of music. You'll never amount to anything. And she failed him anyway. Elvis Presley. She was wrong, by the way. Do you know the Beatles had the same thing happen? They went to several different record labels asking them to record their music, and they were turned down more than once. One label, one, at one record label, they even said, guitar groups are on the way out, and the Beatles have no future in show business. The Beatles. Then there was Theodore Geisel. He took his book to publishers, went to 27 people, and they said his book was trash, and he didn't need to try to sell it. You're going, well, who's Theodore Geisel? Oh, you might know him by his pen name, Dr. Zeus. The book they rejected was The Cat in the Hat. They said people won't read it here, they won't read it there, they won't read it anywhere. <laughs> and they were wrong. Did you know Walt Disney was fired from the Kansas City Star newspaper in 1919? You know the reason why? Walt Disney lacks imagination and has no good ideas. <laughs> now, I hope you're being encouraged just by this. The people in Nehemiah's day were, had people who would say negative things to them. Walt Disney did. Elvis did. The Beatles did. Dr. Zeus did. And if they had listened to the negativity, you never would have heard of any of them. Now, look. Am I saying then that we don't 
evaluate solid criticism? Of course not. If somebody's got a legitimate critique, listen to that. But when you know things are just when these people, ah, Fox would knock that wall down. It's not true. It's not true. So here's a life application. We can overcome discouragement from negativity by meditating on what God says. I mean, Nehemiah knew what God had called him to do. He wasn't going to let some negative hack like Sanballat or Tobiah stop him from getting the job done. Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting in God protects you from that. Oh, my goodness, that's true. Human opinion will shut you down. Trusting in God protects us from that. Here's what, Nehemiah, here's what Nehemiah did. I called together the nobles, the rest of the people, and I said to them, you don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Build the wall. Remember the Lord. That's why we're doing this, not because of their opinion. Oh, we need to hear that. When David one time was surrounded by his men, he'd suffered a crushing defeat. While he and his men were out of town, some raiders had come in and captured their wives, burned their uh, town to the ground, and David's own men were talking about stoning them. And here's what David did. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. If you're not sure what that means, well, please open your outline. You've got to do it anyway. If you open it up on the, last, on the far side there, you'll see promises of God to reflect on when we feel discouraged. Let me read a few of these to you. And I gave you verses on these. I hope you'll look them up. By the time you look up even a few of these, you're going to be so encouraged you can't stand it. Let me, let me read some of these to you. God loves me unconditionally. Do you know that? God chose to adopt me into his family. God will use even the painful things in my life for good. God will never leave or forsake me. God forgives all my sins and remembers them no more. God is always available and wants to help me. God will protect me. God will strengthen me. God will guide me along the best pathway for my life. God loves to use imperfect people. God did not give me a spirit of fear. God is bigger than any problem I'll face. God will reward me if I suffer for his sake, and my troubles here won't last very long. Now, you need to be encouraged by that. This is God's word. And if I listened to all the negativity, if Elvis had listened to his foolish music teacher who didn't know anything, that would have been a disaster. Why am I going to listen to people who just want to pile on with all kinds of negativity? I need to make sure I'm filtering this through. This is what the Lord said about me. If God's calling you to do something, trust him. third thing that might discourage us is point C there. We may be discouraged because we're working alone. I mean, even when they were working on the wall there, this business here working alone, that was the big issue. Then I explained to the nobles and officials, Nehemiah 419, and all the people that work is very spread out. We're widely separated from each other along the wall. They had groups on one section, another group on another section, another section. They're all far apart. And they were all scared. But what if what if Tobiah and Sanballat and some others come with some armed men? And what if they attack? What are we going to do? And there's so much to be done, and it's all so hard. And I don't know if my part's good enough. Everybody else seems, their part of the wall seems to be going faster, all that kind of stuff. And it's important to note here that one of Satan's best strategies is to divide and conquer us. Peter said, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Mm. 
you know, you can have some fun on this, but I Googled this. It's like Satan's favorite tool. If you Google that, you'll find a little story that's told over and over again of Satan at a yard sale or Satan's auctioning off all of his tools and things, but they all, and they all have a different take on it, but all these little stories, but they always end up at the same place. But there's one tool he won't, de- you know, depart from, one he won't sell, that he won't give away, and that's the tool of discouragement. And when he's asked, he goes, oh, let me tell you why. Discouragement is the best tool I have because with the tool of discouragement, and it's usually shaped like a wedge or a crowbar or something, he said, I can pry open the heart of even the strongest believer. And if I get them discouraged, they will voluntarily lay down their weapons and take off their armor and they're fair, fair game for everything I want to do in their lives. A discouraged person can be tempted to be jealous of other people easily. A discouraged person can be tempted to sloth or lust or greed or just giving up. He said, I can't depart with discouragement. That's the best tool I've got. And you understand that. And that's why we have to embrace the fact that, hey, if hard things come in my life, I don't need to stay here. I need to make sure I get enough rest. I need to make sure I'm focusing on God's truth. And then also, here's a life application. You and I can overcome discouragement from isolation by making sure we have Christian friends. I need to make sure I'm not working alone. That's one of the other ways he deceives me. You're doing this all by yourself. It's too hard. Just quit. Just quit. Mm. So Nehemiah made sure they were carrying trumpets at all these different stations around the wall. Here's what he said. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, if somebody is attacking, you see people coming at you on your side of the wall. When we hear the blast of the trumpet, then rush to wherever it's sounding. Then our God will fight for us. If there's trouble on your side, I'll come to you. If there's trouble on my side, you come to me. We're in this together. Now you know why we want you in a connect group here. Now we know why we want you to be part of a fellowship. I talked to somebody recently and they said, you know what I love ever since we joined Centerpoint Fellowship? For the first time in my life, I have understood that going to church isn't an activity. Going to church is being part of a community. And a big reason why we need community is because it's so easy to become discouraged. Listen to a couple of scriptures here. Two are better than one. Solomon wrote this, Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? One may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I mean, we need each other because we're facing an enemy who loves to discourage us. And we talked about the negative, critical people. He has lots of accomplices willing to help. Second Corinthians 7, 6. Paul wrote, God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. You can find elsewhere where Paul wrote, I'm sending Timothy to you so he can encourage you. It's just the same as Nehemiah with the wall. You guys have a problem over there? I'm sending Timothy to encourage you. Titus came to encourage us. If there's trouble on your side, we'll come to you. If there's trouble on my side, you come to us. Church. I'll help you. You help me. Let's encourage each other because the devil is after us. And it's so easy to give in to negativity. We can even remind each other it's time to rest. And if we have friends who are helping us, 
got people who can shoulder the Lord so we actually can rest. Many hands make for light work. Fourthly, you and I might be discouraged because we're afraid. Oh, my goodness. Fear can just knock all the courage out of us, and we just give up. Sanballat's servant, this is Nehemiah 6, came with an open letter in his hand. This Sanballat guy, he didn't give up. And he would mock, and then he came with an open letter. And this is what it said. There's a rumor going around, rumor among the surrounding nations, and Geshem tells me it's true that you and the Jews are planning to rebel. And that's why you're building this wall. According to his reports, you plan to be their king. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the real king. And I replied, there's no truth in any part of your story. You're making up the whole thing. They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. Fear and discouragement go hand in hand. If you look at the note there about different kinds of fears that can discourage us, I mean, think about these. Fear of failure. What if I blow it? Fear of criticism. What will people say? Fear of leadership and responsibility. What if I can't handle this? I mean, you understand what's so amazing about the fear in that there. That's not even real. Like the fear of failure isn't I failed. It's that I might fail. I'm not even going to try. And the devil wins and he gets you for free. The fear of what are they going to say? Well, we already talked about that. That's coming. If you set out to be a good parent, if you set out to be a good husband, a good wife, if you set out to be a good Christian, count on criticism. Count on it. You shouldn't have done that. You'll never do that. You're terrible at this. Who do you think you are? All those things are going to happen. They're coming our way. And again, I need to evaluate who says this to me and why they say it. But I need to be ready for it. And I can't let the fear of what people are going to say just count on negative things coming. Fear of leadership and responsibility. What if I can't handle this? There are so many people, they could have, stood, they could have stepped up to be a connect group leader. They could have stepped up to go back to college. They could have stepped up to lead a mission trip or to be part of one. They could have stepped up to share their faith with someone. There are so many opportunities that you and I, oh, we regret later on in life. Why was I so afraid? I wasn't even facing a problem. It was the fear of the problem that kept me out. And the devil gets me for free. That's why there's a life application here. You and I, you and I can overcome discouragement from fear by fighting back against false arguments and lies. And it's time we learn to do this. There's an adversary, the devil, and the Lord has given us a weapon. You know what that weapon is? It's the word of God. He has also given us each other so we can stand back to back. We read that verse a little bit ago. We don't have to fight him alone. He's also given us the ability to pray, and he's given us armor. He's given us a breastplate of righteousness and a shield of faith, and we can help each other learn to use these things, a helmet of salvation. Mm. When Paul was talking to the Corinthians, he said, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let's fight back. Why would we roll over? I mean, you read that verse now again in Psalm 42. 
Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'll put my hope in God. I'll praise him again, my Savior and my God. Isaiah 41, don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll hold you up with my victorious right hand. Why am I afraid? And this is the choice I need to make. Disappointing and discouraging things will come, but I must fight against them. Get rest if you need it. Meditate on God's word. Get a friend to help you and combat fear head on. I love the way this layout happened. I actually didn't plan for it to be this way, but right across from where I had you fill in the blank about fighting back, it says God didn't give us a spirit of fear that lists 2 Timothy 1.7. In that verse, Paul said, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You and I are children of the king. We are more than conquerors through Christ. Why am I going to be afraid? I'm not going to make decisions out of fear. I'm going to make decisions out of wise counsel. I'm going to pray about things. If God's called me to do it, I'm going to be ready. 2 Kings 6, Elisha was a mighty prophet of the Lord. In fact, he had informed uh, the king of the Israelites on the movements of the Aramean king who was one of their enemies. And every time the Aramean king would move his troops somewhere, the prophet of the Lord was told by the Lord exactly where that was, so he would warn the king how to move his troops away from danger. And finally, the Aramean king had enough of it. He said, let's go kill this prophet. So they sent, he sent a whole number of soldiers to surround the city where Elisha was living. One morning, Elisha's servant got up and saw the danger of all these enemy troops surrounding the city where they were. Listen to Second Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him. There are more on our side than on theirs. And then Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with the horses and chariots of fire. My goodness, we need to be praying for God to open our eyes. God, I went through that failure last year. That didn't work. Yeah, but John, look at all the things you learned from that. I mean, what if God opened our eyes to the perspective that he is really is using everything for good? What if he opened our eyes to all the blessings he's already given us? What if we learned from our mistakes? Well, then we wouldn't be discouraged. We'd go, hey, I know how to move forward now. What if we prayed that God would just open our eyes to these things? Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And that's why when we say, Lord, I want you to open up my eyes to every opportunity you have for me today. Lord, I want you to protect me from fear today. Lord, I want you to show me the things that I need to know, the things I need to change, and the things I don't need to change at all. And Lord, I want you to give me courage. Fill me with your Spirit. One last life application. We must encourage each other often. Paul wrote about this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and build each other up. So encourage each other and build each other up. Could we read that verse out loud, please? So encourage each other and build each other up. How many of y'all came here today with too much encouragement this week? I mean, we all laugh. In all the years that I've been in ministry, I've never had anyone go, John, you got to help me. I'm getting way too much encouragement. Can you tell people to stop? That has never happened. I've had people come in day after day, week after week. Oh, I'm so discouraged. I'm so discouraged. I'm so discouraged. 
What if we encouraged each other today? Look, we know that Sanballat and Tobiah were henchmen of the devil. They were discouraging God's people from what, was, what they were supposed to do. Let's make sure we're not Sanballat and Tobiah. And by the way, let me let you in on a secret. Do you know when I set out to encourage somebody during the day, many times I end up being encouraged myself? When I remind them of what a good job they're doing, when I remind them of what God has provided them, when I help them see the perspective on where they are in life, all of a sudden I feel better. We need to encourage each other and build each other up. When we started this message a few minutes ago, I prayed that the Lord would speak to you. You prayed with me. Now I want to remind you of a few things, and we'll close with this. God loves me unconditionally. God chose to adopt me into his family. God will use even the painful things in my life for good. God will never leave me or forsake me. God forgives my sins and remembers them no more. God is always available and wants to help me. Please listen to these things. God will protect me. God will strengthen me. God will guide me along the best pathway for my life this week. God loves to use imperfect people. God did not give me a spirit of fear. God is bigger than any problem I will face. God will reward me if I suffer for his sake, and my troubles here won't last long. Be encouraged. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you will remind us of these things. I pray that we will not give in to the tricks of the devil. Lord, he is like a roaring lion looking to defeat us. And Lord, anytime we watch a any of it on National Geographic, those lions chase the herd until one animal's by itself, gets cold off, and then they hunt it down. God, I pray that we will run toward Christian friends. I pray that we will run toward you, that we will focus on the truth and not lies. If the Lord spoke to you about anything, about getting rest, about not giving in to negativity, about getting Christian friends, about not giving in to fear, any of those things today, right now in a moment of silence, you say, Lord, I heard you. Give me courage. Show me how to be courageous. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. You adopted us into your family. I thank you that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Why should we be downcast? Why should we be afraid? We will not be, Lord. We will look to you. In the wonderful name of Christ, I pray. Amen. You want to talk to us about this?